Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, where we chat to people making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. And here is your host for today, Jeff Griffin. Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, stories of inspiring achievements and community contribution. Every week, we will celebrate an award program category winner or finalist. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know that Australia is in good hands. Together with our corporate partners and not-for-profit partners, Awards Australia showcase ordinary people from right across Australia doing extraordinary things. If you enjoy hearing the stories of our inspirational Australians, please subscribe, rate us and review us. We'd really appreciate it. Hi, everybody. I really hope you're all managing to deal with the ever-changing COVID environment we're faced with. There's been so much upheaval and day-to-day fracture in our lives over the past 18 months. I hope you're all doing okay. We're so delighted to bring positivity to our listeners through this podcast during these really tough times. And I'm really looking forward to chatting with Carmen Coolidge today, who is an apprentice at the stunning and well-renowned Hintley Farm restaurant, feeling a little jealous at the minute, I must say, under the guidance of executive chef Claire Falzon. Carmen was chosen as a finalist in this year's Minister for Innovation and Skills Outstanding Apprentice Award, part of the Seven Years Young Achievement Awards for SA. For her achievements and commitment to her apprenticeship and as a wonderful role model and young woman for everyone to follow. Even though she's overcome quite some adversity, she has still shown such uh, ability to succeed. Carmen, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you on board. Hi. Um, hello. Thank you for having me here today. Hello to everyone that is listening. Well, I'm really excited because, you know, I think you epitomise hard work and uh, I'm looking forward to having a chat with you today and I'm sure our listeners are listening. I'm looking forward to hearing your story. Now, Carmen, back in the early days, you were bullied quite a bit, I believe, and your mental health wasn't terrific at that time. How did you uh, overcome that? Um, Yeah, it was tough and I definitely made some bad decisions, hung around with the wrong people, which didn't help me. But with support from my family, a few teachers, um, I found a way to cope and to overcome all of those things that were holding me back I made sure that I looked after myself and my mental health um you know and at times it was really really hard but I just made sure that I kept going and kept thinking of like the bigger picture and tried not to worry about all of those people that were you know saying stuff to me whether it was big whether it was small but in saying that if you are getting bullied and it is really affecting you, I do encourage you to speak out because I feel that's something I should have done. Yeah, so true. It's, it's hard, isn't it, at the time? You, it is. Uh, you're afraid of getting bullied even more if you speak out or what the repercussions might be. And you, you said uh, try not to worry about what people say, but I do remember way back then uh, and when, when I was young, At the time, you really worry about what people think and it has such a demonstrative effect on you as a young person. It's just like the whole world is caving in on you. So it is really hard when you're young not to worry about what people say or think about you. 
So all power to you for really uh, having a go and being strong about not worrying. And you're right, call people out because they don't. Des- no one deserves that. They don't exactly. deserve or have the rights to bully other people and no one has the right to get away with it. So, yeah, I think people should call others out that are bullies. We don't need bullies in our life. And uh, I just think it's such a tragedy that so many young people are really victimised. It's interesting. We can do 99 things right, but as soon as we make a mistake, that's what people focus and hone on, and they love it. And I just think The one that sticks with everyone. Sad, isn't it? It is. Now, you went on and completed a Cert two in cookery. Can you tell us where uh, that was and what were the highlights of that course? So I did it at St. Patrick's Technical College in uh, Elizabeth. Um, I had two teachers specifically that really helped me and were my highlights, which was Miss Babic and Miss Caviotto. Um, they always treated me like I was an adult. They always, you know helped me in my life and supported me which that was my highlight was having coming from a school where the teachers didn't support me or didn't want to help me and learn and everything to come to a school where I have all of these people that want me to be a young adult and want me to do you know the things that I want to do in life as well and I think that was what was my highlight was just having people to support and really trust and show me that I'm capable because, you know, I needed help showing myself that I was capable in the start. So I think that's what my highlight was. Fantastic. And kindness and support are so important in everybody's lives. And it sounds like uh, your two teachers really made a big difference. And you made a change for yourself by changing school. So you actually took the lead in trying to make a difference for yourself in that regard. So well done to you. What actually led you to the food industry? My mum. So my mum was a cook, a chef. She always had been cooking with me ever since I was little. By the time I was two, I could recite recipes off by heart. Um, She is the best role model in a kitchen, outside of a kitchen, and she is really what inspired me to want to cook because I always watched her cook. And, you know, for Christmas we would make, you know, um, gingerbread cookies for everyone. and watching everyone get happy and excited that myself and my mum made something for them rather than buying them a gift. That's what really made me want to do it. Yeah, Mum, what's your mum's favourite uh, meal? What does she, she like cooking the most? Oh, well, I don't know if it's her favourite, but it's my favourite where she gets like a chicken breast um, wrapped in bacon, honey mustard and puff pastry. It is delicious. Sounds cool. So is that your favourite meal to cook as well? I haven't actually made it before. It's my it's my mum's my mum's specialty for me. So, oh, so you're, you're leaving it special for her. Maybe you just don't want to compete. You're worried that uh, you might outdo her and she might get upset. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried that I, you know, I'll make it better than her and she'll, <laughs> you know, won't be won't like it too much. So, oh, it's very good of you. I think. Now, there you go, mum. There's a there's a wonderful daughter thinking of you. Uh, I, love <laughs> I love it. Carmen, you weren't satisfied with the Cert 2 where you, you undertook other training. And what was that? Um, yeah, so at the moment I'm doing my uh, certificate three 
So there's that. But in the meantime of doing that and finishing it, I wanted to learn more and find what style of food really suited me. And I wanted to put myself in cooking experiences that would help me with my career. Um, so I did things like record on blow courses, tasting Australia events. Um, I did some cake decorating courses and I really also focused on cooking at home. So that way I could, you know, learn myself, not just from other people. I'd hate to uh, go on a cook off against you having started when you were two. Um, <laughs> well, I won't say what age I am, but I haven't really started yet. So um, maybe I've got a long way to go. Have you thought about, um, being on uh, My Kitchen Rules or MasterChef or something. And I should, shouldn't should mention MasterChef because that's the uh, opposition station, but have you thought about going on to one of those shows? So I can't go on MasterChef because I will be qualified soon and you have to not be qualified. Uh, um, with My Kitchen Rules and things like that, I'm not sure what the requirements are. Um, my little brother and I love watching cake decorating shows or dessert making shows um I have thought about some of those but again I think it's a lot of them are if you're not qualified um but I'm sure there'll be something out there for me I'm sure there will so you're cert three that's your apprenticeship that you're studying at the moment yes yeah cool and uh tell us about your volunteering time in the kitchen of tasting Australia so um, the, how I got into volunteering for them was my uh, one of the teachers I mentioned, Miss Caviotto. Um, she was like, hey, you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, of course I do. Um, and there was myself and about oh, 15 to 13 others. Um, and we were all very excited, very keen, but there was nothing for us to do. No one was giving us jobs because all of the chefs were so well organised and, you know, knew exactly what they were doing, that they had everything. Um, and so I asked one of them, can I have a job? Like, I'm, I'm bored right now. And he was like, yeah, pick some parsley. And then I got everyone else to help me, help me pick some parsley. There wasn't much parsley, but all of us did something. And then a little bit later, um, he was like, oh, can I get your number and I will, you know, give you a call about a trial. And I was like, yeah, but will you call me? because a lot of chefs say they will and they don't. And he was like, and he, he laughed and he was like, yeah, no, I will. And then back and forth between the two of us because we kept missing each other. Um, and then eventually got in contact, did my trial, and then two weeks later offered me my apprenticeship. And that was all from Tasting Australia experience. So, oh, so that was Henley's Farm? Yes, that was Hentley Farm. So it was, um, yeah, so Lachlan was the executive chef at Hentley Farm at the time. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. Just because you showed some initiative. Yeah. So he he even um, said once that that was the reason why I got it because I was straight up and was like, are you going to call me? Like, you know, so because so many chefs are like, yeah, I'll call you. And then they forget about you 30 seconds later. You know, they got, they got other things to do. So I, um, you know, you also have to be on top of them sometimes if you want something. So. Thanks to uh, your tenacity, the parsley, and your um, exactly your that goddamn um, parsley. And we picked so much parsley that we had too much. And um, Lachlan, joking around, grabbed a whole handful of it and put it into his mouth. And then thirty seconds later, two people that 
people that wanted to talk to him like knocked on him sh- like tapped on his shoulder and he just had this mouthful of parsley and he was just like I don't know what to do so <laughs> that was that was pretty funny he sounds like a bit of a character he definitely is yes <laughs> you also were part of proud to be a chef tell us about the uh, competition so that is in um, September. So it's myself and 31 others were picked out of most apprentice chefs in Australia. Um, we have to compete with our own dishes. Um, there had to be seasonal ingredients. So I had to come up with a dish. And I came up with this dish because there was there's, there's this group of people. They come and dine at the restaurant every day for a month or something like that. So we had to, you know, find new things to give them. And um, pastry section with myself and my executive chef, we came up with a dessert and it fit in with my seasonal ingredients. It was tasty. It was everything they wanted. Found that dessert and I will get to cook that in September. Fantastic. So they came and dined every day for a whole month. Yep, pretty much. I think it was about, about a month, yeah. Wow. That would be nice. wouldn't mind doing that myself. <laughs> Maybe money might be a problem, but sounds good. Yeah, they were all driving Ferraris. Yeah, well, okay, that, that explains it. Yeah. <laughs> now, you, you're heading to Melbourne in September, as you said, and it is for a, a competition with an, an international scholarship, isn't it? So it's pretty uh, sought after an award, I imagine, uh, with the best chefs there. Can you imagine what that would be like to win an international scholarship? And what does the competition involve besides cooking your meal? How many people are going to be involved, et cetera? Um, so I think it's all kind of been changed from what I exactly know because of COVID. This was supposed to happen in February and then it got pushed back and pushed back again. So I'm not 100% sure about how many people are going to be there, but I definitely know um, some of the chefs that are going to be there. Um, You know, those chefs are doing some pretty great and amazing things even during this um, unknown time of COVID. So it'll be pretty exciting to meet them and to see what they're about. And, you know, I'm a big believer in you can never meet too many people and you can never have too many contacts because that's what will get you places is, you know, Having those contacts and building the relationships with people is how you end up in, you know, better places and moving forward in your career. And international scholarship, you know, same kind of thing. I could I could go anywhere I wanted to if I was to win that competition. When when I first found out I was going to be competing, I said that I didn't want the scholarship because I didn't want to have to move away because I was not very independent then. Um, now that I have become more independent and everything, I have really started to think about it and think about I could, if it's an international scholarship, I could go anywhere I wanted to go. I could find the best restaurant in France and go there and everything. So I think this is a really big opportunity for me is now that I am looking at it, the fact that I can build more contacts from this and, you know, I can have fun and I can experience new things. And, you know, if I come out of it and I don't win, that's not, that's not a huge loss to me. That's like a, you know, I had that experience. I'll try again next year. Yeah, 100%. Definitely have a go. It doesn't matter whether you're going to lose it. It's all about the learning. I mean, I guess it does 
matter if you win because it uh, would be uh, pretty nice to yes. head off overseas at some stage when we're allowed to again. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing, isn't it? So where, where would you go if you had your choice? What country, if you didn't have to worry, what country would you choose? I think Italy or France. I don't, not, not sure of what restaurants or whatever, but they're both um, two cultures and two styles of cooking that I would really, really want to experience and learn from. And, you know, I did the um, French patisserie course at the Cordon Bleu and things like that. So, you know, getting to further the knowledge I have of croissants and pastry and all the delicious things in France would be pretty amazing. Well, we'll happily volunteer to come and taste your food when you come back from whichever country you choose. Remember right, us. Sounds uh, great. <laughs> what that sure, sure does to me too. All righty, so what's your main role at Hentley's Farm? What do you uh, do now? So although I am only a third-year apprentice, I currently run the pastry section. It's, it is a big role and sometimes I think I can't do it, but I always push and show that I'm capable and that I can do the tasks and, you know, I always figure stuff out. And that way, you know, my executive chef, Claire, can see that I want to be doing what I'm doing and, you know, she, she's very understanding, so I make, I make mistakes. Um, and she is always, you know, talks to me about the mistakes and helps me fix them. Although I'm running a section, I'm never alone on the section. You know, there's always someone that I can ask for help or tips or ideas and everything. Um, so that is my main role is running the pastry section. Sounds pretty exciting. My um, lips are smacking as I um, sit here and dribbling. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> about the pastry. It's pretty pretty cool. Now, uh, what's the biggest mistake you make there? So, you know, you said you make mistakes. We all do, of course. Like you burn the pastry. What's a, what's a, a mistake that you would make that would be obvious to clients or customers? Well, it's obvious to a customer. Hmm. To me, that would be if I didn't make an ice cream or a cake the correct texture. Because there's definitely, you know, a lot of the people that are coming to eat enjoy food. Like they're there for the experience and for the food. So they know what good food is. They know how to eat food. So if I was to give them an ice cream that was, I don't know, say grainy or something like that, then I feel like that would be something noticeable, something that I have made mistakes of before that isn't noticeable to customers but affects my day very much is when I mess up my bread dough that one because it takes basically five hours to prove the dough and then once um, that's happened when I, once I make the bread it takes like two hours to prove from in the tins and then 40 minutes to bake when that gets messed up that definitely messes up a, a big chunk of the day not good we all like our yummy tasty bread Yes, but it's lucky because I have learnt all of the tricks to fix it when mistakes happen. So <laughs> it's, it's all fine. Well, I guess it's not as easy as uh, just typing over a mistake on a page when you're writing an email. It's a little bit more complicated than that, I'm sure. Yeah, it's it's about like um, feeling feeling the so for dough specifically. It's about feeling the dough. So 
if you're like, oh, the dough is too wet, you can't just go throw in a bunch of flour because then you'll change the structure of the dough. So, you know, it's about feeling and working out and, you know, really knowing the thing that you're doing because, you know, I feel like you only know the thing you're doing if you make the mistakes. You know, once you've made the mistakes, that's when you know all of the things that can go wrong, how to fix it, you know, every in and out of that thing. Yeah. As long as we learn from our mistakes, we become better people because without uh, mistakes or failure, it's uh, we don't learn at the same rate. So exactly. Mistakes are opportunities to be better at what we are doing. So is pastry your food passion? Yes. So there was a time when I was being offered many apprenticeships at once. I didn't know if I wanted to be a pastry chef or I wanted to be, you know, the normal commercial chef. I didn't know what I wanted to do. The only thing I knew was that I wanted to work in a good restaurant somewhere with a good name. I didn't want to end up in a pub. Not that there's anything wrong with being in pubs and it's a great starting point, but I had worked in a food van for, I don't know, five years of my life before then. Um, and I really knew what I wanted to do. Um, so once I actually was going to get an apprenticeship, I then had to make the decision of pastry or normal. Um, I one day called my mum and I was like, I want to do pastry. Like every single thing that I had done before then was that I had chose pastry. So my teacher would be like, pick something and make it and I would pick a cheesecake except when it came to the time I was like I don't know what I want to do and then I was like oh pastry and once I had told everybody else um they were not surprised they had all already worked it out for themselves because you know that's the that's my go-to thing was was desserts pastry so what's your favorite oh my favorite I think my favorite at the moment would be pistachio ice cream so our uh, executive chef, um, Claire, she was like, um, this is the dessert that I want. These are the things that I want. Can you work out how to make the pistachio ice cream? And I was like, yeah, I can. Um, it was very hard. I, that's the one thing where I was actually having to work out how to change basically an entire recipe. I had to add and take away things and I, you know, I had to, do that so many times and with ice cream you can't just make the ice cream and then be know if it's ready or not you have to make it and then let it freeze and churn it and then then you know if it's ready or not so I spent about three weeks practicing changing the recipe and all it took was adding one egg what's just is that your specialty on the menu um at the moment yes that would be the the specialty is the pistachio dessert with the pistachio ice cream. Works for me. I'm um, I'm I'm all in for pistachio ice cream. Right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll be there. So I believe it's it's pretty tough work, isn't it? Um, it is. Um, it can be. I know that I haven't seen the level of hard work that it can be. You know, I, you know, everyone hears stories. Everyone sees cooking shows. So everyone has an an idea but none of us really know even if it is hard I think as long as you maintain a healthy balance in all areas and if you love what you're doing then it isn't really hard work if you know what I mean like it's hard work but it's not like a 
I don't really know how to explain it. Yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. If you love what you do, as you say, it's um, a lot easier than than if you don't enjoy your work. What's the coolest thing about Hintley Farm? The coolest thing about Hentley Farm is my executive chef, Claire. She is the best role model that anyone can have in the kitchen and in life. She helps me and pushes me to be the best thing that I can be in, in all areas of my life. You know, she really helps me grow and be more confident in myself and as a chef, and I really enjoy making experiences with people and having good relationships. So things like that are pretty cool to me. Oh, shout out to Claire. Go, girl. Um, hey, I think that would is something that's really important. With food, you have the ability to really please people. And I don't know from the kitchen whether you can see the diners or whatever, but it would be really cool to be able to see the expressions on people's face when they taste your food. I reckon that would be really cool. Yeah, so at Pentley Farm, we um, as chefs actually get to go out to the tables and serve them their dishes um you know as part of the degustation and their experience and that's that's really cool that's when you get to engage with people and you know make memories with you know you you might not ever see them again but I can still think of stories from I don't know two years ago when I first started of just like how excited people get or you know how they're really there because they love food so you're getting to share it with them and getting to see, yeah, getting to see them be happy and getting to see them enjoying everything is is ultimately ultimately why I do it. So, no, brilliant! I love that. I want to put you on the spot here. What's Claire's favourite dish? What does she love making? What's her specialty? Claire's favourite. Oh, Claire is. I'm not sure what Claire's favourite is, but Claire is good at everything good answer Um, like just she can make a salad and it'll be the best salad you'll ever eat in your life like she makes me iced chocolates and they're the best iced chocolates I've ever had in my whole life like um I'm not sure what her favorite thing personally is to cook but my favorite thing that she cooks is this sweet and sour eggplant that she makes and it is delicious Mm. sounds sounds awesome well, that's a pretty big uh, rap for Claire, that's for sure. Who are some of the coolest or best-known people to have dined in the restaurant or that you've met? So there's definitely been some cool people that have come into the restaurant. Um, we had Hilltop Hoods come in there once and I embarrassed myself. Um, I don't now? know why, but for some reason I forgot how to say the word pickles and couldn't tell them anything about pickles and, you know, I got nervous but, that's okay. Um, but for myself, I actually just really enjoy getting to engage and meet the people that really want to be there, the customers that love food, like I was saying about before. Um, you know, getting to make the experiences with them is what I like. Um, you know, my parents dined a few weeks ago and that was probably one of the best experiences that I've had at work was having them there and getting to experience everything. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Awesome. You would have been very proud to have mum and dad eat your food from the restaurant. Yes, I was. And Hilltop Woods, I know Annette, our producer, will be very jealous at the moment <laughs> because she's a massive Hilltop Woods fan. Wow. 
just loves them. Me, you know, uh, they're okay, but let's put it this way. That's why I got so uh, nervous when yeah. I was going out to the table because I was like, I know these people and I like them, and it was it yeah. was scary. Everyone else just thought it was funny that I was embarrassing myself, so they kept letting me go out there. But that's okay. Very very cool. No, that's awesome. So, how has the restaurant been affected by COVID nineteen? You know, I think COVID affected everyone, especially in the workplace, but. I think I was lucky enough to be in a workplace where, you know, the people didn't just care about their business. They also really cared about stuff. You know, they still made sure that everybody was looked after and everything like that. Um, The restaurant did close for a period of time and myself and a few others worked in the vineyard. So that's when we really got to learn more about the wine from the start. You know, we got to learn about everything that happens in the vineyard and, you know, I know I had no idea about everything that happens in a vineyard. And I know there's still more that I don't know. But, you know, we really got a sense of appreciation about the wine and the people that are doing the wine. We also did renovations. Um, We got to make a pastry kitchen out of a storeroom out the back. It was, I mean, it still is, you know, ever-changing. And the restaurant, I'm sure, is always thinking about everything. But I think that we managed, well, they managed COVID pretty well and still continue to, you know, as soon as a restriction comes in or a change comes in, they're straight away on it. Like as soon as it's announced 30 seconds later, we have a message or an email telling us what's going to be happening. So I think it, they handled it, they're handling yeah. it very well. Oh, that's, that's good. It is all about, all about adapting, isn't it? Managing. Exactly. And I imagine with food, and being a chef or an apprentice chef, you would need to be constantly tasting your food, which is sounds pretty cool to me. But helping in the vineyards, did you have to taste the wines? Because I would have thought that would be really important. If you're going to be picking or involved in cutting or trimming or whatever it is, you need to know, in my opinion, very humble, uh, what the end result is. I would have been pushing really hard to sample every one of their wines. Did you get to sample any? We didn't get to sample any when we were doing the vineyard work, but um, quite often we'll have uh, mornings where new wines will be coming out and we, everyone in the whole place, including the vineyard, the restaurant, cellar door, all get together and all try the different wines. That way, you know, we know what's getting paired with the guests' food um, and, you know, what's going to be on sale and... You know, it's we all we all engage in trying the wines, and you know, I'm only 19, so sometimes I don't exactly enjoy drinking wine, but <laughs> you know, uh, that's okay. You're learning too, are you? Exactly, learning slowly, slowly learning, but learning. It is an acquired taste, one yes. generally not acquired yet at your age. I have to say, do you um, ever get asked by customers for your wine pairing ideas yeah so actually the other week um i had a a a customer ask me about what what the best wine was to go with the dish that he was eating and i was like i am not the person to ask (laughs) i i am not the person to ask i am sorry (laughs) um so yeah in those situations i'm just like sorry it's not me not me you should be asking and i will often find them um one of the front of house stuff that 
know everything about the wines and can tell them. So, well, at least you're honest with them. Exactly. Otherwise, just give them the most expensive one, then the boss will be happy. (laughs) (laughs) What are some of the uh, advantages of being an apprentice, and what are some of the disadvantages as well? Um, So, some of the advantages would be definitely getting to show everyone else your progress. There is a lot of people along the way that told me that I was not going to be in a in a fine dining restaurant to start off with and, you know, I wasn't going to be a chef. It's really hard work and I wasn't ready for it. But, you know, look at me now in a fine dining restaurant, Hentley Farm of all places, um, you know, so I get to show everyone else that I can do it and show everyone else my progress. Um, and also being an apprentice is a really great starting point because that helps you learn and, you know, know what you want to do. But most importantly, you get to see yourself grow. You know, I can look back now from when I first started and think about what I was doing when I first started to now running the pastry section and everything like that is an advantage. To me, the only real disadvantage um, is not having a huge say. Or, you know, some people think you're younger and you're only apprentice, so you don't you don't know. But it's like, oh, but some sometimes I do know. Sometimes that's the, the disadvantage is when you find the people that just want to treat you as a as an apprentice, not as someone who's trying to low and grow grow. But I haven't encountered too many of those people, thankfully. Well, I think it's a common denominator for many people about young people. They feel that young people don't know. I think that's a sad mistake to make because young people are at the forefront of innovation, knowledge. With technology, knowledge is very accessible. Young people know so much these days. In fact, often I think grow up too fast in some cases. Definitely. Too fast for their own good in terms of what they know, trying to deal with with all that they know, it must be difficult sometimes, but also fantastic at the same time. And we see that, of course, with the Seven Years Young Achiever Awards and our community achievement award programs that we run. The knowledge, the innovation, the success and the achievement of people is inspiring beyond belief, which we're so excited to be a part of. Would you recommend an apprenticeship to someone? Yes, I definitely would recommend apprenticeship for someone. It's the whole reason that I am where I am today. Um, you know, it's not it's not just a way of learning. It's freedom to work out what you want to do within your career. You know, you get to make all of your own choices as such um, about what you want for you. And it's it's really it's really a time for independence, growth, and learning. And you know, having an apprenticeship is not it's not just about the end goal. It's not just about being qualified at the end. It's about all the steps that you take to get you there, because you do that. You know, you you take all of the steps of getting the apprenticeship, what to do in the apprenticeship, the learning, and in the end, I think it's just a a reward that. You know, you can show yourself that you can do it. Now, I guess the more initiative you show, the more you learn, the better you become. Yes, exactly. 
I also imagine that being a chef would allow you to travel across the world and get a job in quite easily, more easily than a lot of other uh, job vocations because everybody needs to eat and there are a lot of um, restaurants around the world. So I imagine it would be a really cool job to have when you're looking for work on a travelling holiday. It is. It would be if if I if I could travel, but, you know, due to COVID, I cannot. But one day when I can, yeah, that's definitely um, a really, really cool part about the job is that, you know, you're a, you can be in a, a chef. And, you know, even as an apprentice, I could go overseas and, you know, do the last year of my apprenticeship somewhere if I, if I wanted to. Um, you know, it just gives you the chance to travel and do whatever, whatever you want, like working holidays. You know, you can work and have a holiday at the exact same time. And if it's if you're someone like me, I love what I'm doing so much that it would still just be a holiday. It wouldn't be a working holiday. I would just be getting to experience new chefs and new places. So and cultures. Exactly. Yeah, it would be amazing. What's something that we might not know about you? I really enjoy working with older people. I occasionally volunteer at Rembrandt Living where my mum works. Um, I do work there sometimes as well. Um, And, you know, a part of that is because I love hearing all of their stories and everything like that. Um, But the other thing at the moment, the probably the main one, is there is these two lovely women. They are called those Brossa Girls and they're making a difference in the world. myself and others are helping bring back to life old recipes and I've asked them if it was okay for me to talk about it and they sent me uh, some information and I just wanted to read this little bit to explain it. The original recipes have no method and they assume you are cooking on a wood stove. There's no oven temperatures all of which is fine if you are a confident cook and have time to experiment. But not everyone is a confident cook and many people don't have time to experiment. So the current project I'm a part of is where they selected approximately 80 recipes from the original book and they are being updated to meet modern cooking techniques. All recipes from one of the Australia's oldest community cookbooks. There are also stories of the women who put it all together in the first place and like I think that's that's really cool because a lot of them were actually under their husband's names originally the recipes, um, and we now get to bring those recipes and bring the stories of the women who actually did that back to life. You know, some of them are over a hundred years old. Some of the recipes, um, you know, and. You can find them and more about this on uh, those Barossa girls on Instagram. That's probably the the most interesting thing about me at the moment. Well, it sounds pretty interesting, the Barossa girls. Yes. Very cool. So are they on uh, Facebook or Instagram or how do people connect with the Barossa girls? Um, So they are on Instagram. They're under uh, those Barossa girls. And then um, from the Instagram page, you can access their website and find more about them and everything they do because they are about a lot more than just this cookbook. Cool. Sounds good. 
as an apprentice, it's, uh, you might be interested to know that the Minister for Innovation and Skills in SA was actually a finalist in the Young Achiever Awards going back well, in his apprenticeship days. He was a finalist in the very first awards, in fact. And uh, when he became minister and knowing the value of what the awards did for his future, he wanted to give young people like you, Carmen, the opportunity to shine and to be acknowledged for the good work you're doing. Uh, and I think that's a really cool story. Here's a person that was involved. I won't tell us how long ago that was because it probably starts to age both him and me because I was there for that very first awards going way back when. And now he is giving back to young people like yourself through an award that he won. Yes, I think that is a very a very cool story. I, I did know about that actually um, when I was first doing the awards thing because he was the that my category sponsor. Um, yes. And so I think that is that is very cool and it's very inspiring that you know that that's that's where you can end up if you really push and you try you know I I think that's I think it's pretty cool and you know well done to him. And you must be doing something right because at 19, your third year, to become a finalist is pretty impressive stuff. So congratulations to you uh, for everything you're doing, the hard work you're putting in, also the volunteer time and other work that you're doing as well, which is awesome. Thank you. You talked earlier about some bullying and tough times. How do you deal with the hard times and the difficult times when they arise? Personally. I shower and keep pushing and making sure the people around me know that I might be having a hard time. So if I need help, they can help. Showering might seem silly or small, but I know for a fact that it can be one of the hardest things for someone to do when they're struggling or in a hard time. Um, you know, if you just, if you shower, it's like it washes some things away. It doesn't wash everything away, but it's a starting point for you to then get back out there and, you know, keep keep working. So um, maybe about a month ago, I had a week or two where I was really, really down. There was no, no reason um, just because. So I really made sure that I showered every day, made sure that I went to work every day and that I was eating and drinking enough and trying to do all of the other things that impact your mental health so it would be easier for me to deal with the actual mental health. I think that's how I how I deal with it is to shower and keep pushing. It's interesting because we all have different methods of dealing with uh, low times and I think the analogy of a shower is actually really cool because it is a cleansing and generally when we get in the shower, there are many of a time where it's time when we think and we feel refreshed and certainly in the winter you don't want to get out. Exactly. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's cooling on a hot day but it's lovely and warming on a cold day. And when you're feeling, even when you're feeling sick or you've got a cold, if you have a nice hot shower, you always feel better. Exactly. Don't know why or how, so, yeah. It's also a space for you to think about, everything um you know because you can 
why why are you having a shower? It's a space for you to clear your mind and say, okay, this is what's happening. This is what I need to do to fix this. And this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my day. And, you know, sometimes sometimes people got to take it day by day. So, you know, if you're having a hard time in your shower and you think about just what you got to do that day, sometimes that's that's what helps get people get people through. Same as being sick, like you said. Yeah, you know, you're sick and you have a, a warm shower, you know, and you feel so much better when you get out. So, Carmen, what uh, motivates you? What's your main motivators? My life um, and everything that I have going for me, the people I love, you know, um, sometimes I can be unmotivated to whether it's, I don't know, going to work, which might seem something small and it's only a day-to-day thing. But, you know, I like to think about where I started and where I am now and how I'm still continuing to grow. That's what really motivates me is that myself as a person is forever changing and I just got to keep going and keep pushing and making myself better and, you know, trying to make a difference in the world if I can. So, yeah. Sounds uh, very good to me. Do you have, uh, what's your passion and what's next for Carmen? So I think completing my apprenticeship first, but in the end I really want to open up a dessert degustation restaurant. And I want it to be mostly sourced from my own gardens at a, at the restaurant, or it is local. Make sure you let us know when you open the restaurant. We'll be there. All right, I will. I'll save you a seat. Yeah, please do. Now you're based in the Barossa at the moment, aren't you? Yes. And what town? Where's Hempley Farm? It's in the Barossa. Um, it, it is close to Sepulsfield in Sepulsfield. the Barossa. So to go past Sepulfield, no offence, Sepulfield, uh, and go to Hentley Farms or go to both maybe, try the wines and then exactly. have lunch. Go everywhere. Or, yeah, have uh, have um, dinner at Hentley Farm and try the pastry for sure. Hmm. Sepulfield were a sponsor. They provided our wines one year, so we do love them. Yeah. And they've got lovely wines. Carmen, how can or do you have any words of wisdom or encouragement for our listeners? Um, don't give up, even if it's hard. And I promise that it will be hard, but it will be so worth it in the end. You don't listen to others. If I did, I wouldn't be here, here where I'm doing everything I'm doing now. I am high. And a lot of people told me I was aiming too high and to lower my expectations. And I told them they were wrong. But ultimately, if there is anything that I'd really want people to remember or listen is always be kind to yourself. Always look after yourself because at the end of the day, you need you and you'll thank yourself for it. Yeah, I think that's um, good advice. Well, I always finish the podcast with be kind, but be kind to yourself first. I think if you're kind to yourself, you can more easily be kind to others and you're quite right. Exactly. I think that's very very wise words. Carmen, how can our listeners connect with you personally or Hentley Farm? Um, so they can connect with myself personally on Instagram. I have a uh, Instagram page called Carmen's underscore food. 
And Tently Farm is on Facebook, the website, Instagram. You just put in Tently Farm and it'll all come up. And we encourage the listeners in South Australia to get out to Hemley Farm and make sure you taste some of Carmen's food and give her a great review, of course. And I can't wait because my family are all, and I'm from Adelaide, so I can't wait till uh, next time I come, I can get out and come to Hemley Farm and try your pastries. Definitely, and mention that you know who I am and it'll be great. And then I'll know you're coming and I'll make it extra special. Beautiful. Sounds perfect. Can't wait. Carmen, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks so much for sharing some of your story with us and your inspiring words. We uh, really had it. It's been real fun, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you for uh, having me on this podcast. Um, and, you know, sorry for the the mix-up with trying to get onto the Zoom call when we first started, but that's okay but thank you for having me my pleasure we got there in the end and the listeners got to hear your story which is the most important thing Uh, thanks so much Carmen thank you I hope everybody listening has enjoyed hearing Carmen's story too and until next week please remember be kind and uh, be kind to yourself as Carmen tells us and remember together we make a difference I hope you enjoyed today's interview as much as I have. We would love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you won't miss an episode. Join us each week as we talk with ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. Did you know that Awards Australia is a family-owned business that proudly makes a difference in the lives of those that make a difference for others? And we thank our corporate and not-for-profit partners for making our award programs possible. Do you know someone that's making a difference? Or maybe your business might like to sponsor an award. Contact us through our Instagram page, inspirational.australians, or head to our website, awardsaustralia.com. It would be great if you could share this episode with your network because who doesn't like a good news story? And please rate and review us. We would really love to hear your thoughts. Until next week, stay safe and remember, Together, we make a difference. Thanks for joining us today on the Inspirational Australians podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and have been inspired by ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. So it's goodbye for another week. Remember, together, we make a difference.